2: Popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stop Bears. Bears.
3: The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Go. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears' angst in
2: general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic. Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are,
4: fiery, feisty, and frequently ill-tempered.
2: The Adams, Hogan Johns. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another Hogan Johns. This is Adam Johns again. There is no Adam Hogue on this one. Uh, again, he is sitting this one out. Again, but our friend will be back soon enough. Um, he will return so don't worry about that but we do have the fish man back again kevin fishbane from the athletic what's up kev
1: i'm glad that i didn't blow my opportunity this week and that i am still here and raring to go it's johnsy
2: it's been a week <laughs> uh yeah for everybody um connected to the the bears but uh it's probably been a week for uh, adam Hogue. As well. Um, what's going to be like when he comes back? Are you guys going to be able to co- coexist all right?
1: You know, it's going to be tough. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good uh, analogy here. Um, let's go, you know, hey, Jermon Bushrod left tackle for a long time. He goes down. Charles Leno steps in. And look, Leno played well, and that was it. And Jermon Bushrod knew. He knew that, you know, his time was up and it was time to pass the baton. To uh, the 7th. I was going to say,
2: look, Charles Leno Jr. is still playing for the Bears. That was 2014? Uh, 15? 15. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, that story. Yeah. Jake That was about praising as, him. That was about as random as an analogy I could probably come up with. So when Adam Hogue listens to this, he is going to be fired up, just so you know.
1: Uh, yeah, and, and considering what Adam Hoke thinks of the Bears' offensive line, if I am Charles <laughs> Leno in
2: this comparison, I don't think he's going to be too worried about me taking his job. Well, it's better than you know some of the other guys. He compare yes. it to, you know he is a, a starter. All right, here here is the uh, rundown for today. Obviously, the the Bears have had, a, for lack of of a better way of putting it, a pretty difficult week, pretty hellish week um they closed their facility today because of COVID-19 concerns we just got off of zoom with Matt Nagy it is four forty five. uh it's getting dark outside here in Chicago that's what happens when the clocks go back right so I look outside there Kev it's getting dark one more time it,
1: yes yeah no I was just I just looked outside because I just remembered that my my wife has taking our the child for a walk and uh, I was just making sure it's not too dark
2: out there no Look at the, the uh, good husband that you are. So, all right, quick, the, the rundown here. We, we have Kevin Fishbane here filling in for, for Adam Hogue. You can follow him at K Fishbane. It's B-A-I-N. I spelled that right. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. You know Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E. Our producer is Kent Garrison. Kent Garrison, just the way it sounds, at Kent Garrison. You can follow him there. And please subscribe to The Athletic. We still got a great deal going on. $1 per week. Steal the deal. So check us out if you're not subscribing. Um, but we uh, thank you for everything. Please rate and review the podcast. All right, Kev. Crazy stuff at Hallis Hall. Um, it's not the first time they've been through this, but uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic has changed things again up north in Lake Forest.
1: Yes, it's been uh, it's been a lot's been going on. You know they they ended the protocols. What was it Tuesday? Um, when Jason Spriggs and Jermaine Fetti went on the COVID 19 list. And then we get word Thursday that they had to close Hal's Hall. I believe you reported it's gonna, going to go through a, a deep cleanse um, after another night confirmed. So this is kind of confusing. As we're recording this, around, as you said, near five o'clock, there's a confirmed positive test on the Bears, but it hasn't been confirmed by the league so that's why nobody was added to the COVID-19 list because they you know they want to be safe there's another test they're going to go through but th- that player's close contacts now have to get quarantined and Johns as you look ahead to Sunday whoever that player's close contacts are will not be available for Sunday
2: right so they have
1: to quarantine for five days so we're kind of just waiting to see how much this is going to, you know, again, this, the bears are going to be putting together the most makeshift offensive line I can remember already. Um, so we don't know what other positions are going to be, uh, affected by this. And all this is happening while Mitch Trubisky's in LA getting his shoulder checked out. So obviously he will not be the backup quarterback this weekend.
2: So let's do this. Let's listen to, to what Matt Nagy had to say. Uh, he talked to, to us, the media not too long ago for about 16 minutes over zoom from his house. Uh, we're not going to play the whole thing. That's a lot to get through, but we're going to play the first four minutes for you just to give you some additional context from where he's coming from, where the team stands, what's going on at Halasaw. So here's Matt Nagy from this afternoon.
4: I'll start off here just by, obviously we had a, uh, a change in our schedule um, and, and being able to, uh, to move some times around and do some things. So for us, you know, we, we, uh, we had a player test positive. Um, nothing is con- is nothing is confirmed. Um, you know, it's it's something that I can't confirm, but yet we're still trying to get the confirmation through the league. As you see that, so knowing that what we thought was good was to be able to make sure that we make the decision to um, just get everybody out of the building, um, kind of reset, do our Zoom meetings, do whatever meeting, you know, just do our our meetings. Um, over to computer which we're used to doing and just be able to kind of explain to everybody what's going on and then uh, uh, reset and that's what we've done and it's kind of taken us to this time so uh, as we've said expect the unexpected this is stuff that that goes on day to day minute by minute and i appreciate everybody being able to adapt and that's why we are where we are right now so with that i'll go ahead and open it to any questions
3: pat finley Hey Matt, you said you haven't gotten it confirmed with the league with the league. Does that mean that you put a you gave the guy another test and you're waiting for a result overnight? What's the difference there from the release I, this morning that you had a positive test and go ahead.
4: Yeah, I think what happens is in the process of, you know, you have you have somebody uh test positive and then there, you go through the process of the, the steps of actually confirming it, you know. So uh, there's, there's a process to it and that's kind of where they're at right now. So we just wanted to uh, uh, let them do that. And while they're doing that, we wanted to make sure that, Hey, with that being done, let's go ahead and and let's um, let's just right now, let's get everybody home. Let's get a deep, you know, go ahead and, and, and uh, make sure that everybody's good, get a deep cleanse of the building and and be able to just continue with where we're at until we get more answers as to where we stand. And then we can um, hopefully, get answers tonight and know what's going to happen for tomorrow. Brad Biggs,
3: Coach, is there concern that uh,
0: contact tracing, uh, which I'm sure you've done with uh, for the individual that tested positive, is going to create uh, additional issues for you?
4: That's always a part of that process, and I think I think Brad, what they're doing right now is looking into all of that just to be able to be super clear as to. Um, how this goes and the the tracing that's involved with that um, that's the part that takes a little bit of time and they want to make sure that they're doing this thing the right way and and uh, you know I give a lot of credit to Andre Tucker our trainer and and everybody that's a part of it just the communication process of just saying okay uh, here's what's happened let's make sure that we're we're uh, doing everything the right way um, with the contact tracing so that we don't have it spread or or, or you know become more of an issue with the team. Kevin Fish,
1: Matt, Matt, uh, timeline wise, I know you guys had a couple quarterbacks in this week uh, with Mitch out. Uh, what, what is the process? Are you, are you able to get somebody theoretically onto the practice squad or the active roster by Sunday based on when they came in?
4: Yeah, I'm not sure about the exact timeline. I, I don't, I don't think that that could happen. And, and even with that said, you know, you're talking about somebody that hasn't been around or, or knows the offense very much. So, Um, timeline wise, wise, I don't see anything like that
2: happening. All right, Cap, I want to add that later in the zoom, he did confirm that he is not on that close contact list. So that's positive. So I imagine that includes other, other coaches, uh, good news. I I take it because you don't want your, your head coach on that, but, uh, there's a lot to navigate for Matt Nagy and his team and, and his head trainer, Andre Tucker right now at house hall.
1: Yeah, and one thing, this is this is an, an important distinction I think we need to make. The, the Bears, from everything we've been able to discern, have taken this as seriously as possible. Now I'm sure every NFL team will tell you the same, but just the way that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and their head trainer Andre Tucker have talked about the protocols, have emphasized and hammered the importance of wearing masks, what they do to their whole schedule. Whenever somebody is in the COVID 19 protocol or whatnot, they don't screw around. They take this so seriously. Uh, And and I commend them for that because this is a serious thing that's going on. So, you know, for them to be kind of going through this, you know, the game is almost uh, uh, secondary in terms of just getting, making sure everyone's healthy, making sure everyone knows where they're supposed to be at all times. And, And Matt Nagy's done a very good job of navigating this. And I pointed this out on Twitter today. I, I know that the head coach has gotten a lot of vitriol. I get it, totally understand it, but I, I do think it's worth noting. And he he singled out Andre Tucker, so we should also single out Andre Tucker, the team's trainer. But I think it's worth noting the way that Matt Nagy has navigated what is just you know, look, nobody signed up to be when you're an NFL head coach to to deal with this. And and I think that you know he's taken
2: this he's taking this very seriously. And he's still taking it seriously tonight. He's still navigating it tonight just because they shut down the building for a deep cleanse on Thursday morning. doesn't mean it's over on Thursday night or Friday morning. As we record this, again, a lot of fluid parts. They don't know if they're going to have practice on Friday. Uh, Nagy did confirm there will be Zoom meetings, but in terms of getting on the field after missing a day of being on the field, they don't know if they're going to have that. So by the time you're listening to this, there could be more out there on Twitter. There could be more out there... On Friday morning. So just bear with us uh, as we get through this podcast because there's a lot of things to navigate through. It's, it's always fluid when the positive tests come in. There's sometimes false positives. There's guys who test positive a couple days later after this. So there's a lot of moving pieces always with this COVID-19 pandemic, especially when it comes to these NFL teams.
1: Yeah. And the reports that we saw earlier today, John Z, made it seem like this game is not in jeopardy of being rescheduled. Um, now, the NFL is in a tough spot because the Titans already had their schedule thrown up in the air. You know, we talked to, you know, you'll hear from Joe Rexford in a bit, who kind of, he went, our Titans reporter went through all that. They play on Thursday. So you can't move the game to Monday or Tuesday. Um, and it's going to be difficult for them to find another day, uh, another week that works. So that, and I, I just don't know if the NFL is going to reschedule games anymore, unless something, you know, unless there's a serious outbreak. Um, I I always go back to something Peter King wrote in April, which was teams essentially have to prepare for everything, but also that this is going to be unfair, right? That, you know, the the Bears might... I, I think that if this game was... If this was week two and we had yet to have a canceled game in the NFL, I think this game would be postponed by now because of everything, all the uncertainty surrounding the Bears. But because so much has happened you know we're we're talking Thursday afternoon the 49ers and packers are kicking off in a couple hours and both those teams have a bunch of guys on the covid-19 list so it's just it's just a different situation it's unfortunate because uh, covid-19 is spiking across the country so we're going to continue to see that correlate with teams at the same time the NFL is going to be less willing to move games around so you know but that's where it comes back to your head coach being like look this is the cards were dealt you just have to figure it out that's why you have to have a bunch of undrafted rookies on your offensive line. Who knows what they're going to look like at other positions on Sunday. They're just going to have to try
2: to get through it. What was his message to his rookies that he really relate to us?
3: Be ready. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
2: All right, Kev, uh, it's time to get to one of my favorite segments that we do every week on this podcast, where we take advantage of the, the arsenal of reporters and writers and columnists that we have here at The Athletic. It's where we talk to the uh, opposing beat writer, per se. And this week, we get to talk to Joe Rexroad in Nashville. Uh, You can follow him at Joe Rexroad. That's R-E-X-R-O-D-E. He's a senior writer and columnist for The Athletic in Nashville. You can also hear him on the Robbie and Rexroad show on ESPN 102.5, the game in Nashville. What's up, Joe?
0: Hey guys, thanks for having me. How you doing?
2: Good, good, good. We got some COVID storylines here going in Chicago on this yeah. fine Thursday. But you guys have been through that down there, right? In, in Tennessee, I mean, this is an old hat down there, ain't it?
0: Yes, it's. They've definitely there have been some COVID uh, issues here with the Titans, and you know, you mentioned the radio show. Basically, it got to be very, very groundhog day like, on the air and then wait for Tom Pelissero's tweet at, you know, like 7 a.m. and then, like, send my text to confirm it, you know, with the Titans and then, you know, jump in on the headlines, as, you know, we do at The Athletic. So I will say that um, I don't miss those days at all. So hopefully this uh, thing is uh, limited and, and uh, you know, taken care of.
1: Yeah, Joe, and I think a lot of our colleagues around the league are dealing with that now. When you see what's happening in Green Bay and San Francisco, and it was the Texans today, and obviously the Bears, and you know the the biggest impact on the game Sunday uh, for the Bears is the offensive line, uh, which brings me to my first uh, football question: is is this is this the perfect uh, recipe for the Titans' pass rush to finally wake up, and kind of what's gone wrong for them uh, in that pass defense?
0: Well, Kevin, I would say great recipe for the Titans to get well, except they just played what will undoubtedly be the worst offensive line they'll see this year, at least in terms of on paper. I mean, really a practice squad offensive line in Cincinnati, four guys from the week before, not on the field, five total change out of five from the opening day starting lineup and, you know, undrafted guys and guys moving around a couple of, you know, significant uh, backups who they had ready to go. But uh, an offensive line that if they didn't take advantage of that last week, I don't know what they take advantage of moving forward. And it's just, you know, they have one really excellent player up front in Jeffrey Simmons, and he gets double teamed a lot. And then they've had – they paid $9.5 million for Vic Beasley to give them some kind of four-man pass rush. He's cut. They paid $13 million with incentives up to 15 to Jadavion Clowney to transform their front and give them a pass rush and a presence up there, and he's done very little. So it's just – I mean, last year they were middle of the pack in the NFL, like 41 sacks. They were pretty good on third down. They struggled – you know, they had to do a lot of blitzing. They had Dean Pease at D coordinator, and he was masterful at scheming things up and getting – you know, DBs blitzing and finding a way to get enough pressure. But the big offseason thing was, look, if this team's going to take the next step, they've got to be able to rush the passer with four guys. And they've gone back where They have seven sacks this year. They are on pace right now to be by far the worst third-down defense in NFL history.
2: Wow. Wow. Like seven sacks. Yeah. Like Nick, 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 Nick Foles was sacked five times last week, so maybe <laughs> – <laughs> you know, getting after the the statue that Foles is and going against guys like Alex Bars, Arlington Hambright, Lachavius. I mean, stop me if you've heard of these guys before. <laughs> so it, it, it could help, but seven sacks, it's just like and you, like Beasley's cut, a lot of mo- money there. Clowney, I mean, 15 million bucks, no sacks for him this year. I mean, what are we learning about Jadavian Clowney?
0: Well, and and the thing is, look, he had three sacks with Seattle last year, right? So, I mean, Clowney's, I mean, his career high is nine and a half. He's not, he's just a unique player, right? You expect him to set the edge and be a dominating three-down player who can still get you tackles for loss and pressures in some sacks. But, I mean, I didn't, like, I, I wasn't tying this season to him to, like, he better get 10 sacks for the first time ever. But one thing we're learning is that he's just way overvalued. I mean, that's what I see. I mean, last week. So you mentioned Foles as a statue. Last week there were a couple plays where Burrow got away from him, and maybe some guys Clowney finishes the play, but overall he's not done enough. He is, and even setting the edge, uh, the run game, he's made mistakes. And I guess you know he's had a little bit of a knee thing this year. He's in this system for the first time. You can make excuses, but at some point it's like, well, what is what is this investment? Uh, becoming. And the thing is now there's more pressure on him. You cut Vic Beasley, who again, like did zero did. uh, It's a disastrous signing by John Robinson. Um, And after Clowney and Harold Landry, who's a pretty good third year pass rusher, like an eight sack guy, but after them, you're, you're going practice squad undrafted guys to try to get any kind of production.
1: Joe, when I look at Ryan Tannehill, I think, Bears fans would kill for Ryan Tannehill. And, uh, you know, I th- Adam Johns wrote about it this week, some kind of Mitch Trubisky comparisons there as Mitch enters free and see what happened to Tannehill when he left Miami. Uh, and I've been impressed that the guy has followed up last year and, and shown it's not a fluke. And, you know, Chuck Pagano today talked about, you know, top five in so many different passing categories. Uh, what's, what's been working for Tannehill now in year two? Uh, and how have how do you see them handling what the Bears are going to try to do, obviously, with the Cleo Mack, Robert, Quinn, Akeem Hicks, and the pass rush.
0: Yeah, he's been excellent. He he really has been. I mean, the numbers aren't lying about him. He's been outstanding. Now, last week he did, I think, the worst decision of his basically full NFL season now with the Titans. On the first drive of the game, he threw a terrible pick on first and goal um, that two guys would have picked before A.J. Brown caught the ball. But he's been outstanding. He's a lot more athletic than I realize. Accuracy pre-snap. Um, he he can he throws the deep ball well. I mean, he's got plenty of zip. he you know, I will I think one thing that I learned with Tannehill, like last year I did this story. I went back after a few weeks of this. I'm like, so this isn't smoking mirrors? Like, what, what what is going on here? It's sure it helps to have Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry also took a huge jump last year with Tannehill as his quarterback. I went back and you know, his his Miami tenure was actually a lot better than I realized, and I think it's true probably for a lot of people. I just thought of him as a blah, average QB and a pretty bad team. I mean, he did have some good seasons, some really good numbers. He was taking them to the playoffs in 2016. He blew his knee, you know, so a little bit. And then eventually it's like they, they were just moving on from him. So that was better than I realized. But still, it doesn't explain all the jumps he's made. Um, from then to here, I think system does to some extent and maybe just a fresh start thing, but he he is definitely the, he is the shiny example. Now of sometimes you get that, that, uh, new, uh, address and things can come together for you. And some of the things that were just dragging you down aren't there anymore. And, uh, he's been great. Now, the big thing with the, with this offense, which I would argue two weeks ago was Maybe the best offense in the league outside of Kansas City is that they lost their left tackle Taylor Lewan, talking about a Pro Bowl caliber player, and it has affected them. I mean, you you simply now I think this week may have been the first time the Titans would have said, okay, yeah, we may need to even help him a little bit with you know with Khalil Mack, right? But for the most part, they've been able to just say, hey, go t- handle whoever's out there, and you know then we can devote resources to other things. They've had to do a lot more chipping and leaving guys in and doubling. And it'll be interesting this week with, as you said, a terrific front for the Bears. Um, it, it, it changes them, and it has impacted their bottom line. I mean, the Steelers really got up Tannehill in that first full game without Lawan, and we know the Steelers are excellent. But I think this is a similar test in terms of multiple guys you have to worry about.
2: So uh, I want to go back to that Steelers game a, a little bit because that's uh, they started off 5-0. and They faced the Steelers, like you mentioned. Serious injury on the line. Then you have that disappointing game in the Bengals. So if you had to, I mean, is it that massive loss at left tackle that's kind of lingering, and kind of affecting things, or is there more to it to, to the struggles? Is it you know the you know playing behind the chains or whatnot, or, or falling behind and not being able to you know have the the, the horses to, to keep up a bit? Like what's going on, you know, as opposed to the first five games, five and zero to these past two games, you know, two losses.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good question, Adam. And I do think that if you had to put the, the top of the list to me is the defense betraying the offense. So, for example, Derrick Henry, the Steelers do a really good job on him in the first half. But what happens a lot with Derrick Henry is defenses really do get sick of him and, and they get worse at tackling him. So he had an eight-carry, 43-yard drive against the Steelers, and, and he's just rolling. And that puts him to 20 for 75 in that game. He scores with like 10 and a half minutes left and it's a three-point game. So at that point, they are set up for exactly what they love to do, which is just kill people with him in the fourth quarter, and he never got another carry because the Steelers then took eight minutes off the clock, and they kept dinking and dunking on that awful third-down defense. The Titans end up getting a pick in the end zone, but again, by that time, it's two minutes to go, and you just got to throw it down the field. They miss a field goal to tie. Last week, I, I mean, Derrick Henry could have run for 250 on the Bengals if their defense didn't uh just ruin the game for them. You know, they're down 17 points. You get a turnover, you get a missed field goal. They had a, a series where they – 75-yard uh, drive, one incomplete pass. The rest, they just ran the ball and went right down the field. And But, again, then you get to 17 down and you you're, he's off the field and your third down back's on the field. So um, it really is – number one is the defense – not letting them possess the ball and their time of possession is terrible for such a good running team. But again, you, if you're giving up 62 and a half percent on third down, and it doesn't matter if it's third and three or third and 11, it's just going to affect everything. And that's it's finally starting to catch up with them. But also, Adam, you know, the five and 0 start, you can look carefully at it and say, Boy, whew, good thing Goskowski hit six field goals in this game, and boy. Had to have the late drive against the Jaguars to win that game after letting them back in the game. Let the Texans back in the game with that defense. So, um, again, it, it really is. It's been a great offense and a bad defense. It's been enough for them. And the defense is finally starting to catch up. And my, I guess my question is, you know, moving forward, is the when you take Luana out of that offense, is that just enough to, you know, knock them down a peg to really put this team in trouble?
1: So, Joe, what I'm gathering is if the Titans and Bears combined forces, they'd be a pretty pretty good team, <laughs> Titans exactly. offense, Bears defense. <laughs> and, and what's interesting, too, about the way – because I, I think for from Chicago's perspective, they saw what the Titans did last year, and you kind of think, well, man, if the Bears could just run an offense like that – you know, concentrate on the run, make things easier for the quarterback, they'd be okay. But there's something else that kind of holds Tennessee back that Bears fans are familiar with, and that's the kicker. And I'm wondering, yeah. with Goskowski this year, what's it been like, especially because you know, you're on the radio, so you're hearing from people all the time, and you're around the team, so you're seeing it. What's it been like in, in around town, around the team, with what he's dealt with throughout the season?
0: Well, the crazy thing is, yeah, and of course, Cody Parkey was one of the many kickers in here last year, <laughs> really? who had a cup of coffee uh, with the Titans, and that didn't work out. But it was so really, a big mistake for them. So they I mean, he was fine. Cairo Santos, who's doing well this year, it's it's incredible looking around the league, um, at all the guys who have been through here who are doing better elsewhere. But you know, Santos went over four last year. They get bringing Parky. He's fine, but Ryan Suckup is they think healthy, so they bring him back. He's not healthy. He's terrible, and they cut him. Um, and so they end up, you know, parting ways. And he had been a really good kicker here for a long time. Now he's lighting it up in Tampa Bay. And they, they had Greg Joseph, who was fine, but really they didn't. They basically got out of the habit of kicking field goals last year. I mean, they were 8 for 18 on the year. Now, one of the things about that is Tannehill's throwing a touchdown pass every time they're in the red zone. I mean, they were unbelievable in the red zone. So anyway, they have Greg Joseph, but then Rabel's buddy Goskowski lives in Nashville. You know, we had the surgery last year. He obviously went downhill fast, but still you're talking about one of the most accurate kickers in NFL history and a guy who obviously Vrabel knows well, but they, they were okay with Greg Joseph based on camp. You know, you didn't have the preseason games to put a little more pressure on it, but they made the move right before the season to sign Goskowski and cut Joseph. And, uh, It's been just, it's been almost bizarre. He missed all these field goals in the opener, but he kicks the winner at Denver. He actually kicks the game winning field goal the first three weeks, but he's also 10 and 17 this year. And it's, you know, it looked like, again, he saved them. He was, he hit six field goals at Minnesota. Um, But he's been bad lately. And so they've got to be close there, too. They just cut their long snapper, by the way, which I know, I know you guys are hoping we get into the Titans' long snapping issues on this guest
2: appearance. But yeah, uh, <laughs> let, let me um, cross my next question. out. go ahead. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no kicker is a problem. It's a problem. It sounds special like is a problem.
2: it sounds like Joe, you know what Mike Vrabel should do is hold this, this very unique and special off season derby where you bring in like 18 kickers. And you have them all kick, and you bring the media out there to have them chronicle it, kick by kick by kick, and then everybody just ignores your offense for for a couple weeks and the focus is on the kickers. That seemed to work out right for the Bears, right, Kev? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun for us. I think think every
1: beat writer should get the opportunity to uh, cover a kicking derby.
2: It does sound fun. It was different. It was different. Um, If you're looking at matchups in this game, um, for me... It's Derrick Henry against a pretty, we've used this word a lot in this podcast, leaky run defense. They've given up a, a lot of big ones, a lot of chunk runs this year to, to various running backs. So it, for, for you, Joe, when you look at the, the, the matchups, the on-the-field stuff, what do you see? To me, it's Derrick Henry and this Bears run defense. Any other matchups stand out to you?
0: Yeah, well, I think that's a great one, of course, and uh, that's going to be really interesting to see. Um, It seems like the Bears, you know, like you said, they're not as stout. I think of them as just an all-around solid defense, but the numbers aren't great, so I I find that interesting and a little bit surprising. And I would also go back to what we talked about at the top. I mean, it's that offensive line – Um, Maybe you know with a quarterback who's a little easier to to sack on his own than like the guy they just saw, but against this completely feeble Titans pass rush. Um, And you know another part of that is just the pat the passing defense, passing offense. I do think the Titans are getting a Dory Jackson back. He's designated. This is his third week of being designated for return. He's their best corner, um, and that. Certainly will help them. And then, of course, they signed Desmond or they traded for Desmond King, who may just play in the slot Sunday after being allowed to show up Saturday for the first time. Um, Not sure about that, but that's kind of the situation. So part of their terrible defense has been, you know, really being bad in the back and being banged up slash bad. So they could be a lot better there against a very good receiving core.
1: All right, Joe. I already know your pick cuz uh, you sent it to me earlier, but uh tell our listeners where you're leaning uh for this Bears Titans game, which I've already seen football outsiders call it uh the game to determine which team is a fraud. Mm, the fraud bowl. I like fraud it. Bowl.
0: Um yeah, I went 27-24 Titans. You know, basically not a huge I mean, you know, not a huge show of confidence in the Titans uh defense i mean but i think that derrick henry will have a better day and i think Tannehill is you know he's a really good player they've got a lot of good weapons a.j brown Corey davis has played really well so i think the titans in a close game and i'm never wrong so sorry bears fans you made no reason even to watch the game
2: maybe another gaskowski winner
0: I guess that would be. Yeah. yeah. I guess that would be. So, this is, I guess you're right. This is actually a, a vote of confidence for Goskowski because that would be what? That'd be two made field goals if it's conventional scoring. So, <laughs> I didn't even realize I was giving Stephen Goskowski a vote of confidence when I made up that score. Yeah,
2: there we go. Um, all right. Well, well thanks, Joe. Um, that was great stuff. Um, you can follow Joe at Joe Rex Road on Twitter. That's R E X R O D E, writer for us in Nashville. Thanks, Joe.
4: And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
3: Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, Dee Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me. A Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your
1: teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com/slash AI for
2: all. All right, man. It's time for the three big questions. And this this was my week to prepare them. I don't have them for Hogue. Hogue, again, is sitting this out. He'll be back soon, everybody. All right, Kev. Question number one: Can the Bears hold Derrick Henry under 100 yards rushing on Sunday? I think they can. And I'm gonna use some
1: historical data here, Johns. You know I love my my numbers.
2: Fishbane fun facts.
1: And and well, I'm gonna get into I understand what I'm about to go through might be a little outdated, but here are the only players to run for a hundred yards against the Bears since Matt Nagy took over in twenty eighteen. You ready for this list? All right, Mike Boone, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs. Latavius Murray, Ronald Jones, the only one so far this season, and Frank Gore in that crazy game, Miami. Now, here's the reason I bring up that list. Saquon Barkley, to me, is the only one of those six who you knew the defense was going to be focused on him, right? Like that, that, like of the other guys I listed, you know, the Bears were not game playing to stop Ronald Jones, right they weren't game playing to stop latavius murray last year even frank gore in miami a couple of years ago so i feel like this defense when they realize that they everybody has to stop the running back when he's been the key they've done a good job in the past of holding him to under 100 yards is that is that how do you feel about that logic hmm <sighs> because as I like I'm saying it, yeah, it now, yeah. I, I'm not sure how much of it, because then the flip side is this is something we talked about last week, is this Bears defense has given up more 10-yard-plus runs to running backs already in eight games than the previous two years.
2: I feel like the way I view Derrick Henry versus the run defense, and I brought it up with with Joe because I, I it's the most obvious weak spot uh, of the Bears defense, and there's... All sorts of reason for it, starting with you know Eddie Goldman not being part of the team this year because he because he opted out. To uh, Danny Trevathan starting to finally look like himself. To Roquan Smith still learning how to handle the signals there, you know, in the middle. And some of it's just flat out poor tackling. Derrick Henry will embarrass you if you're not ready for this. Like he will run you over. This will be another grown man running you over. We saw what he did was to, to Josh Norman, right? To to where he th- the stiff arm, from uh, <laughs> the stiff arm from hell, whatever you want to call it. He took another grown man and threw him. If you're not ready to tackle in this game, Derrick Henry will embarrass you. You have I, I feel like this is deja vu to some other conversation we, we had like years ago, but over on this podcast. But that's that's what could happen in, in this game if you're not ready. If you're not going to break down, if you're not going to be physical on the attack, I think the linebackers are going to be ready for it. So I'm looking at the, the second there. We know Kyle Fuller is going to bring it, but but Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson's had some questions about his tackling. you got to bring it against this guy.
1: Uh, from the scouts I talked to in the uh, northwest side, it reminds me of the middle John's child. I hear he's he's a, he throws some stiff arms in the flag football field. <laughs> no, He's actually quite the tackler. Quite oh, the tackler, yeah. Both um So I I was looking through Derrick Henry's numbers, obviously leading rusher, you know, most yards per game, all that. Uh, Interestingly, he's not necessarily had a lot of explosive runs this year. He ranks 22nd uh, in that category in terms of percentage of his carries that go for a lot of yards. But we know how he, he, he kills you. It's by these five, six yard runs over and over again. So I'll throw this at you, Johns. I think the the problem with holding Derrick Henry under 100 yards is going to be the Bears' offense. Because when we've seen this defense look bad in tackling, it's been games when, think back to Philadelphia last year. Yeah. Think back to L.A. a couple weeks ago. It's been the games that the offense is not good, and especially in the first half, and the defense gets tired. And, and the other thing about those games, you go back to Miami 2018. Oh, that was a little weird because of the, the the heat that day um road games right you know uh, though that the let me go back to that list of 100 yard uh games uh four of those were on the road so you know mo- most of the most of the guys that have beat the Bears badly with the run game have been when the Bears offense has struggled And when the Bears have been on the road. So it it, it lends in that direction because, as I'm sure we'll get to, it's hard to be too excited about this Bears offense, even if this is going to be the worst defense they've faced in a
2: long time. All right. Second question. It's about that Bears offense. Can the Bears offensive line, whatever that is, whomever that is, hold up against that bad defense you mentioned?
1: (sighs) Uh, I don't know. That's not the answer you were looking for, was it? Well, because the Bengals just did it. The Bengals did it, and and there are I just there are ways to scheme around a bad offensive line. Like there's there's a lot of different ways that you can uh, help them. Uh, Go back to that Saints game last week. Uh, I know uh, the all twenty two that I had up on the Athletic. If you looked at the best those big time pass plays Nick Foles had. Great protection, right now it wasn't necessarily a man being a man on the other side. It was Cordero Patterson being the play fake in the backfield and the defense kind of biting on it. Uh, so it was play design that was helping create a clean pocket for Nick Foles. So I think that's going to be key for Matt Nagy: is how can you use misdirection, jet motion, play action, all these anything you can do to make to really throw that defense off because you just can't count on your guys up front to stop the guys in front, in front of them. I, I'm very intrigued, John Z, to see what the game plan looks like. Like, this has got to be, if you're Matt Nagy, I think there's probably a balance of, like, terror, but also excitement. Like, right? Like, I think back to, you know, I'll, I'll compare it to when I've coached, you know, Little League Baseball here. You know, when you're, when you're down for the count and you, you have this huge challenge ahead of you, and, and I remember pl- like if my team was was just totally outmatched and I would find these little... Advantages like bunting all the all game long, or, you know, stealing <laughs> oh, bases yeah. left and right, and okay, and it's just a little bit di- better, you know, just different things that like it's like okay, we're not going to hit this guy, but we're really good bunting team, and they're they're having trouble in the field, or you know, they're not hitting this guy, you know, like there's different things. Like I feel like there's there's that element of as a coach, you you absorb, you embrace the challenge, and I feel like for Matt Nagy, this is just the ultimate challenge of how do you keep Nick Foles upright and how do you move the football. With you're going to have, a, potentially four guys starting at a position they've never played at in the NFL.
2: Question number three, you're good. At, you're good at like transitioning to from question to question. <laughs> I have to say, you may have looked at the questions. On a scale of one to ten, what type of statement game is this for Matt Nagy and Nick Foles, given everything? The, the Trubisky conversation, the struggles from Foles to this point with the injuries on the offensive line and the concerns of COVID-19?
1: John Z, my answers and segues can only be as good as the questions. So, take that for what it's worth. Um, here's here's the way i so that nice, qu- everybody, isn't he? Wait till you see a text message that I'll send later. Um, here's Here's the way I look at that question. If they win it's the ultimate statement game, right? That they, they pulled this rabbit out of the hat, you know, a great game plan to adjust. Nick Foles, you know, puts it all together when nobody expected him to. If they lose, I think that the narrative is going to be, well, of course they lost. They were missing their entire offensive line. They're on the road against a really good offense. Like not many people, They're six and six and a half point underdogs. Of course they lost. So, I think that you know it's one of those things that if you're Matt Nagy goes back to that kind of throwing the kitchen sink when you're making your game plan, you don't have a ton to lose from a credibility standpoint because I think it's going to be hard to really blame Matt Nagy if they lose a game when you look at who's starting in front of Nick Foles.
2: So a five.
1: Yeah, we'll go. Because if the they win, right, that's a good call because if they win, I think that's like a nine or a ten. If yes, they lose, yes. it's like eh, okay, you you lost to you lost on the road to a good team without a bunch of starters. It it's,
2: it's yeah, but they're not in the excuses. The, the excuses are there, but they can't use those excuses right now because every team, I guess, is, is dealing with it. It's in five and fours. The odds the are making the playoffs decrease a bit. It, it's a big game for him. It's a big game. You know, the defense, um, the Titans' defense is not very good. They're the worst third-down defense in the league. So like, given the problems up front, given who's playing, like the Bears should have some offensive success. The Bengals just did it. I, I know they got Joe Burrow, but they, they're still the Bengals. I mean, come on. Like Nick Foles should be able to get – you know, sometime in the pocket, he shouldn't be able to make the, the right reads every now and then. He should ha- have a couple big plays in that arm to Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney and Anthony Miller. There, there should be plays on the field for him. Um, big game for both of them. It, it really is. So I switched the, the listener question on you. I took it out. We had a full Q&A with everybody on Tuesday. So I'm sorry to the one listener who got their question removed today. I added another one in there today, given... The, the concerns of today. Um, this is more of an open-ended question. How much do you think the idea of who the heck is going to play is going to uh, uh, affect the Bears this week? You know what I'm talking about? Like, There's so much uncertainty already because of bodily injuries, and now the pandemic has entered your building. The, the unknown of who the heck is going to play, I mean, it's got to be a factor in this game.
1: I think so. You know, that was kind of the question I asked Nick Foles yesterday was this idea. Like, I was asking specifically about center, you know, because it's like that, you know, you find out that Cody Whitehair is not available, Sam Mustafer's is not available. Like, if you're Nick Foles, I got to imagine, like, you, you got to figure out, you got to meet a, a guy who's never played center before in the NFL. Um, so, but here's the thing that I, I come back to with this. These guys are wired differently. They just are so much programmed. It's, it's somewhat to a fault to this next man up mentality. And, and and I mock it. It's cliche. But that's just how football players and coaches are. Like, yes, this is a huge issue that they're dealing with. And it's it's wild how many guys are going to be missing. But that's just like they're just so wired to just like all right if I gotta play this position or if I've gotta have this guy protected me if I've gotta have this guy snapping me so be it we gotta play ball so I I I wonder you know I, I think it's a it's a factor but I don't know how much the like it's going through these guys minds
2: next man up next man up yeah. Story now, of this story of did, this year.
1: I do generally have a problem when coaches are like, hey, it's next man up. It's like, well, the guy who's the next man up is the next man up for a reason. So obviously you're not going to look as good. Um, but I, I did have enough people commenting last week, John Z on that All-22, asking me, is
2: the backup offensive line better than the starting offensive <laughs> yeah, line? It, 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 well, that's the the argument there. The, yeah. the starters weren't exactly playing lights out effective efficient football up front there was a lot of struggles and that comes back to your head coach
1: and your quarterback trying to make these guys look good uh and on some of those explosive plays they did now they also gave up five sacks so
2: we're gonna do our our bold predictions and picks here in a second but generally i think when you have your backups come in reserves second stringers third stringers which is the case on the offensive line there's a move towards simplicity. And I just think in general, simplicity is what this offense needs. You know what I'm saying? Like Nick Foles just he's not on the same page as Matt Nagy. They want to do different different things out there, it seems like. I think simplifying having a smaller playbook, a smaller play sheet will help everybody, starting with that offensive line and Nick Foles. And I think fewer personnel packages.
1: That's what I mean. Yeah. You know, like, for example, yes, yes, Riley Ridley is probably going to be active. But I don't know about you, John Z, but I get the sense that Riley Ridley is not going to be playing very much on Sunday. No, no, no. And and what that does is you take those 18 to 20 plays Javon Wims got a game, and you throw them out. And that means more reps for Anthony, That the you know, the 11 personnel with Anthony Miller, or more reps for Cole Komet. It just I do not think it's going to mean more reps for Riley Ridley, so you know that could that that could be part of forcing Matt Nagy to go to
2: these personnel groupings that are just a little bit more you know stable and static throughout the game. As much as we praised the two tight ends in training camp, I think we're starting to see that eleven personnel is the Bears' strongest position group, or at least package, I should say, with Darnell Mooney being that explosive deep threat, Anthony Miller being that slack guy. And some mix of of Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet, like some of those plays you saw Jimmy Graham run, where Troy Aikman was just ripping him, I think Cole Komet needs those plays now too. It's it's time to go full on Cole Komet. Now he didn't practice today, we should say. That's true. Today.
1: Yeah, that was that that could be a little uh, another concern for them. But hey, that's what you got Demetrius Harris for, Bears fan <laughs> favorite. By the way, how how happy is Troy Aikman that he's not going to get a Bears game at least for another few weeks? Yeah,
2: yeah, will probably vary. I bet you he requested to never call a bear. He
1: was very very disgusted with what he was watching last week.
2: His words were descriptive enough, but gosh, I imagine what he was holding. Just imagine what he was holding back in his head because you want to be fair and balanced, but Hall of Fame quarterback, Super Bowl winner, did not like what he saw. Bold predictions, Kev. What do you think of this game? How many bold predictions do I need to come up with again? Just one. Let me go first. Sure. Go ahead. I'll I'll go first because I think this is a very bold prediction. And I've been on on fire with these, by the way. Yeah. David Montgomery will score two touchdowns in this game. Two. Count them two. I'm not saying one of them is going to, both of them are going to be rushing. Maybe a swing pass, screen pass in there. Um, Maybe
1: a throw. Maybe a passing touchdown. Maybe a throw. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Pull it all out. It's time. Two touchdowns, David Montgomery. I love the way he played uh, against the Saints. Uh, I think people are starting to to see what he can do. You know, when he gets to the second level, I, I I think the respect is there more at least nationally. He could benefit maybe from a simplified approach too. So, David Montgomery, two touchdowns in this game. Uh, do you? Ha- I assume then you have the Bears scoring fourteen points total. Oh, well, we'll get to that.
1: Picks are next. <laughs> um, uh, just so folks know, David Montgomery was a dual-threat quarterback in high school. So, if you're thinking about emergency quarterbacks, wildcat quarterbacks, there, there you go. go. Um, here's mine. I'll stay on offense. My bold prediction, Nick Foles does not get sacked more than one time.
2: No.
1: They are just going to put so much emphasis and designing a game plan that protects him, and he cannot put himself in position to get hurt, knowing that Mitch Trubisky is not there behind him, I think that that overemphasis on protecting him from all angles and the fact that the Titans are so bad at rushing the quarterback, uh, I, I think Nick Foles stays upright at, uh, pretty much all game. Seven sacks all year. Yeah. Just I mean, so maybe it's not the boldest prediction, but I mean, I think the, the obvious thing is like you look at that offensive line, you look at statuesque Nick Foles, you think he's going to get sacked a few times. I'm going to say, no, not so fast, my friend. Okay. You know, okay. I'll make it zero sacks. That's a Whoa. bold prediction, right? That's bold. bolder. It's I'll okay. say zero sacks for Nick, Nick Foles not
2: get sacked once. Got sacked Sunday. five times last week. Just, just saying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, picks. Picks. So I'll go first. I don't have the fun soundboard that Adam Hogue has, so he is missed at this point when we're going through our picks. You can't insert Chris Emma or George McCaskey or Josh Sitton and a Patrick Finley laugh. We don't have that at our disposal right now, and Chris Emma has given us gold this season, so I'm sorry to everybody. But here's my pick. I think people might like this. Total gut pick here. Bears win. I'm going to say... We got the Montgomery touchdowns in there, like 22-18, not well, it, 22-17. 22-17, uh, I don't know how they're going to get to 22. It uh, just happens that way <laughs> sometimes. but Just total gut pick there. I, I, I don't think the, I think the Titans have been exposed a bit over the past couple weeks. Their defense is not good. I think the Bears' defense really shows up to play. Maybe a couple turnovers, uh, takeaways I should say. They make the statement. They have their statement game on the road against a AFC caliber playoff team. There it is. I is. Like 22-17. It. So I actually picked the Bears to win last
1: week, which looked pretty good uh, before the final 90 seconds of the first half. Um, so I'm going with the Titans in a close one. So it's a bears cover because that is how I hedge because I I do think there's something to be said of this there's nothing to lose you throw everything out there and just see what happens and it's yeah. the NFL and th- weird weird things happen and they they don't want to lose three in a row obviously um but my worry John Z, is not so much Derek Henry it's Ryan Tannehill because this defense as good as it's been but bent but don't break struggles when you're facing such an efficient quarterback like he could just i just feel like especially if derrick henry's running the ball fine that Tannehill's going to be able to kind of move the ball downfield with ease uh and, and i'm worried about how that could spiral for the bears um so i'm gonna say titans 23 bears 20 Oh, a little too normal of a score from what i usually do but yeah 23 20 titans but the Bears cover is in there so that when the Bears win, I could say, well, I picked them to cover and you're against the spread record is all that matters.
2: Yeah, we should say, well, that's what you always say. Uh, we should say the bear. The Bears are getting six points. Uh, the Titans are favored um, quite heavily. Uh, so, yeah, I guess my, my pick is even a, a bold prediction itself, I should say. All right, let's run down these other games really quick, uh, just breezing over this thursday night game because we always pick uh nfc north games we got the packers at 49ers 49ers are plus seven uh no need for analysis here aaron Rodgers in a route recording this at 5 16 now on on thursday this this game starts in two hours so packers
1: yeah packers
2: the 49ers just don't have anybody right now so that is true. All right, noon on CBS, Lions at Vikings. Vikings are minus four. We have an NFC North game here. Uh, Lions, Matthew Stafford was on the uh, COVID-19 reserve list, was he not? Yeah,
1: why is this on our list here? Can we uh, can we pick this game without knowing Matthew Stafford's uh, – well, I'll say this, Johnsy. If Chase Daniel starts that game – we know what he's done with not a whole lot of time going on the road, NFC North. You know, that's when he's at his best. He's not at his best when another team has a full week to prepare for him.
2: Ah, the old Chase Daniel tape. So valuable. I'm going Vikings in this, even with Matthew Stafford. The, that's a big win they had over the, the Packers last week. Down 14. Yeah. They're feeling good. Dalvin Cook's running well. Chase Daniel two and zero as Bears quarterback when uh,
1: <laughs> filling in against You're an still NFC still North team. You're two and zero. Uh, uh, I'm gonna wait. let Chris Burke okay. know that stat. Our Detroit Lions report. Good, I'm make good, sure to good, get him that stats. Who'd so who you pick? Just pick pick your team here. Uh, yeah, Lions. Lions are gonna cover. This 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 game should be off the board. We don't know who the quarterback is. We got to pick NFC North games. All right. All right.
2: Okay. Noon, Fox, Seahawks at Bills. Uh, all the best games this week are are at noon. By the way, noon, Fox, Seahawks at Bills. Bills plus three, home dogs. Ooh, I do love a home dog. Uh, Seattle's defense, I love a hot
1: dog. Is, yeah, Seattle's defense is just ooh. Uh, but the but but the Bills' defense isn't very good either. Uh, with no crowd there, uh, I'll take Russell
2: Wilson. I'll take Seattle. How long do you think this game goes? <laughs> Well, uh, the Seahawks are known for their long games. Yeah,
1: yeah. The the Seahawks are like the NFL's version of Election Day. Ooh, Just keeps it close and, and exciting. And sometimes the other team, you know, throws ridiculous challenge flags on the
2: field that don't make any sense. Ooh, so you're taking the Bills? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take Seattle. Ah, I'm taking the Seahawks as well. Just when it comes down to games like this, you know, even though you know they're they're given three. Pick the better quarterback. I like Josh Allen. I think he's gotten a lot better, but Russell Wilson. He's Russell Wilson. Noon, CBS, Ravens at Colts. Colts also a home dog, plus one and a half. I like the
1: Ravens here. I think they are probably pretty ticked off after last week's loss. Um, I, you know the 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 Colts are plucky. You know, we saw them here. Good defense. But I just think the Ravens have too much. Uh, and, and What I was that
2: word you used to describe them?
1: Plucky. They they plucky. got some pluck. Okay. P-L-U-C-K. Um, gotcha. Got some pluck. I, I like the Ravens there. I just think that, that Ravens defense is going to be tough uh, for Phillip Rivers.
2: I agree, actually. Everything you just said there. Uh, kind of a bounce-back game for Lamar Jackson. The Ravens they're better than what they showed last week as well. Uh Colts I, I like every time you want to start to question the Colts, like you see their score sometimes like early in their games like oh this this is it. They're they're being exposed. They're down 21 nothing to the Bengals. Like this is it. And then they win. Resilient team. But I don't know if they have it in them for this. The Ravens, yeah, e- even given the points. Give me the Ravens in this one. 7:20 p.m. Sunday night. Saints at Bucks. Bucks are minus 4.
1: Give me the, uh, what's it called the, uh, Gronkaneers, Tampa Bay. Give me Brady. What's ah.
2: the What's the over under on the graphic of the touchdown pass race between mm. Breeze and Brady? It's oh, be at least seven, right? Yeah, that's gonna be up there a lot.
1: I don't know, John Z I You and I watched that Saints team. I, I know it was they were on the road in bad conditions. We watched that Bucks game though. We did. We did. That Bucks defense was good. Yeah, it was. That's good. They broke down a little bit in the fourth quarter, and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we've seen both of them. I, I certainly was probably more impressed with what the Bucks did here, and that was a road Thursday game. I shouldn't say I was more impressed. The Saints actually beat the Bears, um, unlike the Bucks. But I don't know. The, I, I the Saints didn't outside Alvin Kamara. I didn't see a ton from New Orleans to
2: uh, have a lot of confidence in them winning or covering. No, I would say that the Bears lost that game more than the Saints actually went out and won it. All right. That's it. The picks are in. I, I did miss the soundboard a bit, hearing Chris Emma's voice a bit and random questions about dogs, but uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Two podcasts down, my friend. We did it. We survived. I survived. You did. We miss you, Adam Hogue. Um... Let you. We'll, we'll let him update you uh, later with what's going on. But he will be back. I, I think he actually maybe on Sunday with our, our post game podcast. So that's it. Um, be sure to subscribe to the Athletic one dollar a week. Uh, that's at uh, the Athletic slash Hogan Johns. Please check us out. You can follow Kevin Fishbane at K Fishbane on Twitter. B A I N. Follow me on Twitter at Adam Johns J A H N S. Kev, that's a wrap. I'll we- see you on Slack on Sunday.
1: I will probably text you three minutes after this podcast episode ends, my friend. I believe you will.
2: See ya. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless.
3: Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.